What is up? Canucks talk. I'm in a great mood. I don't know why. It's Friday, baby. Let's go. Oh, Drance, I don't know what's going on with your levels. We'll get those up or something. You sound like you're 50 feet away from the microphone. But it is Canucks talk. Jamie Dodd, Thomas Drance here. Drance, of course, Canucks insider, who also covers the team for the athletic. Canucks talk brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Be a champion on the work site. Find them together online at DLEAMC.com. We are coming to you live from the Kintec studio. Kintec, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet. What are you waiting for? 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, as mentioned yesterday, of course, I was doing the so, uh, show solo. Drancer was traveling to cover this Canucks road trip. He's now on the road, which means it's uh, it's bear with us season. <laughs> My favorite part of the day, spinning the roulette wheel to see how Drancer will sound uh, while on the road covering the team. How do, how do you sound now, Drancer? Um, I'm nervous. That's I'm better. nervous. How am I sounding? That's yeah, better. Okay, good. Well, Sounds, you know, yeah. when we tested it before the show, I was like magma hot. You know okay. what I mean? Like okay. everything yep. popping. Yeah. So I think we just overdid it. And, and now anyway, really strong intro for you. Like, oh, wow, thank you. What's up? I've ever heard. Thank you so much. By far. Yeah. It makes me want to hold a skateboard over my, uh, <laughs> over my shoulder. Somebody texted <laughs> in just before the show. One of our regular texters, uh, happy Friday. What's up? And it got me really, it got me really psyched to do the show. I was just like, <laughs> all right, this is perfect. I, I am in the, I, I'm in the zone now, uh, to get into the show. So set the scene for us to answer. You are, are you in Newark, New York? You're in the, in the New York metropolitan area somewhere. I'm in New York proper. The Canucks practiced late today because they got in so mm. late. So I wasn't going to be able to do availability. Figured I'd best stick to uh, my hotel where the Wi-Fi would be more reliable to do the show as opposed to doing it from like an auxiliary locker room space at the Prudential Center where truly we would have been at the mercy of, of forces outside our control. So I'm in Manhattan. I, I didn't see the Canucks practice today, unfortunately. Um, and then I'm excited to see this trio of games. You know, I, I feel like it's been a while since the Canucks got off to a tough start on the road. Mm. You know, like it's been a while since that happened. And now, you know, it's not exactly a forgiving stretch here when you consider that the Devils are imposing, the Rangers are imposing, and the Islanders are a team that the Canucks have beat. Um, you know, granted, it was after a full 60 minutes, but I thought that was a really strong performance from the club overall. Uh, or back in November, but that's the second leg of a back-to-back now. You know, this is shaping up to be a real test, not an insurmountable one. I'm not doing the Dr. Doom thing. I'm just saying this is shaping up to be a real test for this division-leading Vancouver Canucks side. Well, and we'll start the whiteboard here in just a second, but, you know, as you said, they haven't really got off to a tough start on a road trip at any point. I mean, you could I, – well, even the, the season opening one after the home <laughs> opener, they beat Edmonton in the first game of that one. And, you know, I, totally. what, I, what I was saying on the show yesterday is it feels like every time there's been a game, whether it's to start a road trip, to end a road trip, you know, any like a trap game, anything like that where you kind of look at it and say – oh, you really don't want to lose this one, or this one's a little tricky, you got to take care of business here. It feels like they've taken care of business in all of those games, yep. right? And I thought that was a little bit of an anomaly uh, last night. But uh, as mentioned, it is time for what we do every day here on the show. Let's do the whiteboard. All right, now, fellas, hey, let's focus up, huh? It is the whiteboard for today. 
January 5th, your daily deep dive into what's up with the Canucks. We'll start with the headlines uh, and a couple of big talking points coming out of the game last night. Uh, obviously, the result, which we can spend a little bit of time on, Canucks lose 2-1 in St. Louis to start their seven-game road trip. And as I said, you know, I made a point on the show. I kind of expected them to take care of business. I think they're a much better team than the Blues. The Blues do not uh, impress me uh, particularly much, uh, you know, and that goes back to when they played. When they <laughs> okay, played. Shania. Yeah, I know. I, I realized I was doing that like mid-sentence. So I was like, how can I dance around this? Uh, and that goes back to when they played the Blues at uh, Rogers Arena in October and just completely demolished them. And, you know, I got to say, like, I don't, I don't think it was a, an incredibly strong game by the Canucks or anything like that. I don't think it was a disastrous performance either. It wasn't. And, you know, for all of the talk of, you know, you talk it talked about it last night, and I saw a lot of commentary on the postgame show and, uh, you know, in the inbox this morning about, oh, they didn't finish their chances. Well, I know we've gotten really used to the Canucks finishing absolutely everything, but there are going to be games where you generate some good looks and they don't go in. So I don't think there's any cause for – for panic or uh oh like is this team not going to be able to finish have you been watching the first two months of the season yes this team is going to be able to finish like I'm willing to write this one off as you know what you played on the road you didn't play that poorly sometimes you don't get the breaks and you lose oh so you've got an overpriced defense core who all have NMCs <laughs> that don't him <laughs> the what was the difference between the performance last night and let's say like the 4-2 victory that the Canucks had over Calgary uh, earlier this or early in like mid-December where they played good but not great, you know, not a lot. Like what was the difference between their 5-2 win in Nashville right before yeah. they returned home for that game against San Jose? Another game where they won but they weren't like awe-inspiring. Um, honestly, what was the difference between that and the, and the 6-3 victory over Ottawa? Mm -hmm. Honestly, like the, the difference was that the puck didn't bounce into the opponent's net at any point. Or, um, you know, find a Canucks stick as like a sitter in the slot. Um, you know, I, I do think you're going to see the Canucks play more games that look like that one, which is to say games in which maybe they're a, the narrowly better team on balance, which I kind of thought they were when I watched the game. Um, but... They don't get the break that we they've gotten in an overwhelming majority of their games to this point, and so the margin's tight. I'm not even saying we're going to see more games like that in terms of them being like narrow Canucks losses, but we're going to see the Canucks play more 2-1 games, and maybe they come out with the 2-1 the win, mm -hmm. which they easily could have last night. Um, you know, I, I just thought that was one of those games. We've had a lot of Canucks games this year where you come away and you're like, I don't know if the form really matched the scoreboard. Right? Like, I don't know if that was a game that really should have had seven, eight goals in it uh, both ways. Uh, last night just to me felt like, you know, the, the sort of template game that you're going to see more of inevitably as, as things tighten up down the stretch and as things tighten up for a team in Vancouver that now has a target on their back, right? Every building yep. they go to, they're going to get and take their opponent's best punch. That's probably going to result in more tight checking games, more 3-2 games, more tight uh, margin games. And as that happens, you know, I, I don't think we like I think we need to settle in to a result like last night. It's not a it's not a time to panic result. No, it's no. a result where you should you should take it and be like, OK, like settle in. There's going to be a lot more games that look like that over the balance 
some that the club will win, some that they won't. Yeah, and you know, one of the things I was interested to see in that game is, okay, so it's tied going into the third, and then they fall behind, and they haven't been in that position where they're chasing the game all that often, right? They've had the lead so much, uh, they've won so many games, you know, you, we just haven't seen them really pursue a game like that, and I thought they did a pretty good job at it. Not necessarily overwhelming, but they're on the road in the third period, and they're down a goal, and you want to see them really control play and generate chances uh, in that third period, and I thought they were able to do that pretty well. And again, it's just the, okay, the chances didn't go in. Would you love to see them, you know, bear down a little bit more as Rick Tockett said after the game? Sure. But there was nothing alarming about that performance. You know, I, we have a couple people texting in and oh, I'm really bummed out about it. But you know, again, like I said, this after the Philly game, when we came back onto the air, they are going to lose games. And uh, in that one, I think this one was even less concerning <laughs> than the Philly game. Cause you look at the blues goals and yeah, you can say like blown coverage on, on the Robert Thomas one, but there are a couple of snipes from Robert Thomas and Colton Pareko and you know they take their chances and they get a narrow win the Canucks miss some of their chances that happens that happens in the NHL yeah. um, and the Pareko shot the Pareko shot's a perfect example of like a an, an half inch to the left and that's off the post yeah. and out right I mean that's a that's a really good player making a really high end shot um, you know, we like other than Noah Gregor how many of those have we seen go in against the Canucks this year sometimes it's going to happen and that was what last night was a reminder of. Uh, the other big headline, of course, from last night's game in St. Louis, Andre Kuzmenko, a healthy scratch scratch for the fifth time this season. And this one feels significant. I mean, I mean, I think every time he co comes back out of the lineup after being in for a stretch of games, it's more and more significant. And with this one, the fact that AHL call-up Linus Carlson goes in over him, I think adds a layer of it. As well, and there's a lot of angles here, obviously. We can get into some of the commentary around the scratch and some of the reporting from Elliot Friedman and Rick Dollywall, but I have seen a lot of reaction developed along the lines of, well, look, they took Kuzmenko out of the lineup, and then what happened? They needed a goal. They needed someone to finish uh, some of these chances, and this loss is on Rick Tockett. And I, look, I look, how much have we talked about, hey, they need a running mate for Elias Pettersson. They, they need a dynamic force on that top line in the top six to complement Elias Pettersson. And obviously, Sam Lafferty is not that. But the thing is, Andre Kuzmenko hasn't been that this year either, right? Like, he has not been a guy that comes in and really noticeably increases the Canucks' offensive output. So I can understand if you're still looking at, looking at him as 39-goal scorer, uh, you know, who was a, a great partner for Elias Pettersson last year. I understand that. But we just really haven't seen that at all this year. So I don't really buy the idea that, oh, man, Andre Kuzmenko was what they were missing to really unlock that game. Like, look, yeah, he's a skilled guy. He can put the puck in the net. We, I understand that. But just the, the, him being at the top of his offensive game has been too few and far between uh, this season for me to really buy into that. Yeah, and, you know, I, I was sort of observing from afar the conversation online uh, around this and, you know, a lot of, I think, sort of simplistic analysis, like the the club's record with and without Andre Kuzmenko. Mm -hmm. You know, like, the thing about the Canucks is that they've won a lot of games. Like, a lot of games. They've won a lot of games, Jamie. And they haven't lost very many games. So if you've been out of the lineup and the team has lost, like, at all, <laughs> the splits are going to look silly, right? So it's like, you know, for example, if you do it with Phil DiGiuseppe, the Canucks are 21-8-3 with Phil DiGiuseppe in the lineup, 3-3-0 three, three and oh without him. Like, oh, man, no one should use that to argue that Phil DiGiuseppe, like, is a mainstay who absolutely yeah. has to be in the lineup no matter what, uh, in my view. So, you know, 
here, here's the fact of the matter. With Kuzmenko on Pedersen's line, that line generates more offense. They score more goals. They get more scoring chances. But they also surrender an awful lot more scoring chances. And in fact, as a trio, Mikheyev, Pedersen, Kuzmenko have been outscored 13-5 to in, in almost 200 minutes together this season. Well, if you have a top line or a second line that's being outscored, it's really hard for me to backseat drive a coach's player deployment decisions to switch things up, especially when you look at how that line has performed with Sam Lafferty. And, and with Sam Lafferty, who does take creativity off the table, right? Like, there's no doubt that Sam Lafferty's not anyone, shouldn't be anyone's sort of first choice uh, answer to the Canucks who should play with Mikheyev and Pedersen quandary. But, um, you know, that line in about 108 minutes together, they've outscored the opposition 6-1. And they've generated way fewer scoring chances, but they've surrendered so much fewer than the Canucks have with Kuzmenko on the ice uh, that their control of play, their, their ability to create that environment where you're more likely than your opponent to get the next goal, that standard that I'm always sort of rigorously judging teams and players on, well, Lafferty has done that better this season than Kuzmenko has. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, then you sort of go down the list. It's like, okay, well, if Kuzmenko, like the data does not suggest that you need Kuzmenko to play with Pedersen and that Pedersen is worse without him. Like the, it, it frankly does not. It's a misread of the data to take it in, in that sort of way. Um, so if that's not the case, and Kuzmenko's results without Pedersen are really, like, like really bad, right? Or, like, genuine fourth-liner territory. Well, you know, I, I, I don't know that there's an easy answer to this unless Kuzmenko starts playing an awful lot better as a two-way piece. Yeah, and again, it's, you know, I've, I've seen the idea floated, like, okay, does, does Taka just have to relax the staples and the rules a little bit for Kuzmenko, but I, I just don't think you can do that when they've so much no. has been staked on the idea of building this cu- culture of accountability and, and the system and the discipline and the structure and all of that. You can't bend those standards oh. for Andre Kuzmenko. It's just, it undercuts the whole project. And like, it, look, well, and we, I- there was the debate earlier this week about, you know, have the Canucks of a t- as a team earned the benefit of the doubt? Well, you know who has earned the benefit of the doubt for me is Rick Tockett with what he's done for this team and the decisions he's made. And if he's saying, you know, know what? No, I cannot bend on these for Andre Kuzmenko. I buy that 100%. Well, I'd add this. You can't bend on these for JT Miller. Yeah. Like, isn't that something we've learned from the last 18 months? Like, Miller himself has talked about it. Like, last year, when things were going badly, I was trying to do too much. I was going for the home run play. My season got defined by a few of these tough moments, and that's not who I want to be, and that's not who we want to be, right? Like, that's JT Miller himself, one of the NHL's five leading scorers, right? A guy with more gravity in terms of the oxygen that Mm -hmm. he takes up as a personality in that room than anyone. And what we've learned over the past season and a half is you can't even relax, you know, how this team's how this team has to play or should play or the staples as Tockett would put it, you can't even relax it for him. So if you can't relax it for JT Miller, how can you be asked to relax it for Andre Kuzmenko? It makes no sense. Yeah. Um, it's, it's right now, like fundamentally, it's on the player to find a way to build trust with the head coach. Like that, that's where we're at. That's where we're at. This is on Kuzmenko to find a way to stick in the lineup, work his way up the lineup, and then 
and then do the game-breaking stuff that he's capable of doing, especially when he's riding shotgun with Pedersen. This team needs that without question, but they can't spoon-feed it to Kuzmenko if his two-way game's not there, if he's not helping that line drive play, uh, and if he's not producing. And and the fact is, is that at the moment, you know, like there's a, there's a red X emoji beside all three of those, uh, you know, criteria. Yeah, it's it, it it's again. You just I don't I just don't see how you bend the rules for Andre Kuzmenko, and I think you sum it up really well with the JT Miller thing there as well. A quick note in the headline section before we move on for some more Kuzmenko discussion in the rumors and the broadsheet. Uh, World Juniors, of course, Lakara Mackey, Tom Volander, Elias Pettersson playing for gold right now with Team Sweden against Team USA. USA leading three two. After two periods, LaCaramacchi scores a big power play goal in the second period to cut the gap from 3-1 to 3-2. So LaCaramacchi is on the board. Uh, I believe Elias Pettersson picked up uh, a second assist earlier in the game as well. Uh, but LaCaramacchi scores the power play goal uh, with a one-timer to make it 3-2. Exciting final 20 minutes uh, coming up for the trio of Canucks prospects. And maybe we can talk a little LaCaramacchi later on in the well, show as well. Go ahead. And, that, and we'll save most of the LeCaramacchi uh, analysis, I think, for when we know the result, yeah. which we will by, like, our third segment as that game's occurring live. But LeCaramacchi, you know, honestly, these are, like, point shot goals. Like, he's blasting these in yeah. <laughs> from w- such a high distance at this point. Um, honestly, it kind of reminds me of what we saw at the World Juniors from uh, Tavo Teravainen mm. in his Draft Plus 2 season. Like, that's the comp. Now, he, he's a different handedness, but like that's the comp that it reminds me of, like a forward with just a really unique shot, uh, you know, absolutely cooking on the power play and cooking from a distance at which you very rarely see, uh, you know, forwards really be goal threats from. Uh, interesting comp. I like that one. Um, okay, so... The broadsheet, again, this is going to be Kuzmenko-centric because that's what's going on with the Canucks right now. I won't play any of the audio because I know it's been played at other points on the station. And, and you know, Free just talked on the Jeff Merrick show and uh, and Rick Dalliol was on Halford and Bruff as well. But just to kind of sum it up, some of the, inter- the, the interesting thing to me is, you know, Friedman and Dalliol talking about the face-to-face meeting that happened between Rick Tockett and Andre Kuzmenko in Dallas prior to Christmas. And this is after the second round of healthy scratches for Andre Kuzmenko. And, you know, good face-to-face meeting, lots of positivity coming out of it. And then only three games later, and, you know, it's more days than that because uh, there was the break in there and there's a a light schedule, but only three games later, he's getting healthy scratched again. And you just look at it, right? The first time he comes out of the lineup, sits for two games, then he gets back in and he plays 10 straight games, okay? Then he comes out again, sits for two more games, comes back in, only lasts three games in the lineup before he's a healthy scratch again. And there's just this sense for me of diminishing returns here, right? And if you are, if you're playing the, you know, hey, face to face, hash it all out, get everything on the table card, and it only lasts for three games after that, it's tough to see how this is in a, uh, in a sustainable position. And I know Rick Dollywell is reporting teams are still calling. I know Elliot Friedman saying, like, look, if there's a deal to be done, if there was a deal to be done, it would probably already be done. But you know, it's it's hard to make deals like this, but you just look at the fact pattern, Drancer, and every time he comes out of the lineup, it just feels more and more like it's pointing, the needle is pointing towards a, a resolution of some sort before the trade deadline. Yeah, <clears throat> there, there's no question that Kuzmenko may have some value uh, given the fact that he scored so many goals last season, given the fact that he's got such a unique offensive toolkit. 
uh, especially for a team that really wants help on the power play and, and feels that he can be an answer at the net front. You know, you, you can understand how that might be appealing, but it's not like a contender is going to buy him for a playoff run no. because he's not proven in, in heavy games, right? I mean, and he's expensive and now he's got term, right? This isn't like last year where, hey, where where else are you going to get a 25 goal scorer on, on an ELC, right? Yeah. Like that was a totally different equation than what you're dealing with now. At the very least, whether he has value or not, it's going to be complicated. It's complicated value, um, a problem-solving type trade, almost certainly, um, you know, very likely to be cash in, cash out, unless you're unless you're finding a, a team like Chicago, yeah, uh, that, that's looking to, that's looking to just like take a flyer on a guy, low risk, high upside. Um, you know, maybe maybe you could see a team like that talk them into it, but for the most part. Uh, if this is going to give on the trade market, it's going to be di- it's going to be tricky. It's going to be difficult. Uh, Chicago's an interesting one, just because you think they're still in that mode where it's like, okay, let's get this guy. We'll play him with Bedard. We'll put him on the power play, and then next year's trade deadline, we'll try to flip him. Right? Like that. That's the kind of team where I could see being like, okay, we're interested, but how many assets <laughs> do they really want to uh, commit to a, pl- a ploy like that? And how many favors are they going to do this Canucks team? <laughs> hey man, they need you know a- you might have already- needed Anthony Beauvillier. You might have, yeah, who's now injured, right? Yeah. I mean, um, maybe opening the door for the Canucks to get another favorite. Let's them go. By, Let's uh, go. By, by Kyle Davidson. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, if the, if the Canucks get uh, the Blackhawks to take on another expensive winger from them, that would be that would be hilarious. Like, that would be just great. Get, get out of jail free card. Yeah, just call it. Hey, you got a winger you're not happy with? Just give Chicago a call. They're desperate. Um, all right, so that's the latest from Friedman. <laughs> Uh, and Dollywall on the Andre Kuzmenko situation. And if there's anything else, obviously, that breaks throughout the course of the show, we will get it to you. But this is definitely one that bears monitoring and will bear monitoring uh, for the next several weeks for sure. Uh, on the lineup notes, I haven't seen any updates from practice in Newark. We'll see if we get any Rick Tockett audio at some point in the show. Obviously, the big question going into tomorrow's game is going to be whether or not Andre Kuzmenko gets in after that loss. Just the other quick thing I wanted to mention here is uh, – Canucks prospect Josh Bloom assigned to Saginaw in the OHL. He'd only played 14 games with Abbotsford, then gone down and played eight with Kalamazoo in the ECHL. Didn't have a goal across those 22 games, so it obviously struggled to find his footing in his first pro season. Now gets to go back and reset a little bit in the OHL. Yeah, I mean, look, he was struggling to find his footing in pro hockey. Um, I, I like the player a lot. Like, I like the prospect. But it's it's tough, and you know he he was eligible always to have uh, an overage OHL season. I know his camp really wanted to to take the shot turning pro, but there just wasn't minutes for him, right? Like he, yeah. he just couldn't carve out a, a, a sustainable everyday role in Abbotsford. So he'll go back to the OHL and, and try again after this season. Um, you don't love to see it from a from a like historical comps perspective, but of course, not everyone develops the same way. In terms of this player's work rate, you know, just enough skill to punish mistakes, uh, speed, size, combination. Like, I I still like this prospect as sort of like a low-end guy. I think, you know, has a real shot to play games down the line for the Canucks. It just didn't happen for him in year one. uh, And he's young enough where that's not, you know, as big a deal as like, 
Hirose really struggling to establish himself as a as a 25 yeah. year old in the AHL this season. Yeah, so, I mean, look, still some runway on Bloom. Like Archie Baines was dominating the WHL at Josh Bloom's age, right? And then he comes, he right. he finds his footing in Abbotsford, and now he's having a great season, right? So playing at this age and junior is not necessarily. Uh, a death knell for a prospect status. Uh, quick update on the playoff forecast. Canucks still very impressive. 90, 94% chance to make the playoffs. 28% chance to win the division. Uh, the Kings lost, but in a shootout last night. So they pick up a point. Canucks obviously don't get any points. So that accounts for the little bit of dip in the odds there. Anything to contribute on the betting odds, Drancer? Yeah, I mean, the line's already open for tomorrow. And the Canucks are plus 106 road dogs so not a significant underdog going in to play a pretty good devils team and a devils team that you know i I know it ended up being a one goal game but that the devils i thought carried a pretty significant like a significant enough margin Mm. in the run of play that that you might have said it was pretty convincing six and a half for the over under uh these two teams combined for 11 goals last time they played so uh might be uh might be interesting to keep that in mind uh, the only other change or the only other thing I want to bring up is the Kings shootout loss, the Canucks regulation loss, uh, sort of consensus Pacific division favorites at the moment uh, is now is now your LA Kings. Your LA Kings are sort of any priced anywhere between plus 130 and plus 180, depending on the book you're looking at. Canucks are second in, in terms of the sort of division betting odds just about everywhere Except FanDuel has Vegas first, and on FanDuel you can get the Canucks still at seven to one to win the Pacific. Which I mean, honestly, at that odds, even I like that bet. Yeah, uh, <laughs> there it is. That is your whiteboard for January fifth. We'll take a break. Greg Wyshynski will join us next. We'll get his perspective on the Kuzmenko situation, some of the other things going on around the league as well. Lots of texts coming in on Andre Kuzmenko, so we'll try to dive into some of those. Uh, maybe some Lakaramaki talk as well after the results of the World Juniors game later on in the show. So lots coming up here. It is Canucks Talk Sportsnet 650.